Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news, and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Lutz, from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And with me tonight, I have uh, our other co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how are you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing excellent. I'm doing so excellent, in fact, uh, that I'm doing terrible because I was getting beaten by all these new fancy decks and I love it. I'm a glutton for punishment right now. I love seeing all the new fancy cool cards in Jaws of Oblivion. I'm just, oh man, I'm eating it up. I have seen some of the weirdest decks yeah. I think I have ever seen on ladder. Yeah. Like some really, really strange stuff. Not even necessarily stuff that was using a lot of stuff from Jaws, but some really weird stuff that's running around on ladder right now. Um Wow, yeah, so I got in and, and, and busted some packs and started playing, and holy cow, um, I tried to find as much time today as I could to get into some Jaws of Oblivion, but there are some really, really cool mechanics in this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Some definitely really cool mechanics, some stuff that I've I've really enjoyed messing around with, so tell us, man, what have you been doing, like, what have you been is there something you've been you were like Jones into experiment with? I mean, we saw a lot of the cards last episode, but then this episode, you know, of course, the set came out like yeah, literally hours ago. Well, there were several extremely relevant cards that got uh, revealed after or between our last episode and you know, and now um, I got to yes. reveal my card, which was really cool, which was the Marauder Chieftain, which I haven't tried yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing around with that on stream this week. Uh, I'm going to put that right into some item decks, and we're basically okay. going to have multiple Gardener of Swords in effect. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, cool. Yeah, I guess that would give you, I mean, kind of, not exactly. You're not going to get all the, the summon effects off of the items, well, but no, the yeah. stat bonus is on the attack at least you're going to get, which is exactly. Pretty- well, and yeah, and just replicating that extra bit of a, what, I, what I like to call like an engine effect, which is that the longer it sits around, the more value it generates, you know? Um, yeah. So that, that, that's more and more value. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, but, but no, today I, I got to play about um, nine games. Uh, there was a little bit of, I guess, some server issues or something that they had to sort through, and I wasn't able to log on for a bit. Uh, but the last two hours I've been getting to actually play. And I built two decks, and I played each one a few times. I built the a uh, Transmogrify Mage list, Transmogrify. Uh, focusing yeah Transmogrify Mage. I told you I'd do it. Uh, <laughs> focusing on the invade mechanic actually, uh, which was really 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 cool. And okay, so hold up. We gotta we gotta sure. talk about that. Like we gotta pause and talk about okay, that, right? because okay. invade is okay. is pretty clearly focused around a lot of creatures, and transmogrify typically doesn't want to run creatures. No, it doesn't. Well, it does. Uh, just like three creatures. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. 
so uh, my thought process there was, and I wasn't intend intending to go that direction. I was just going to slam a couple uh, forces of destruction and transmogrify and call it a day, right? Sure. Um, and I probably would have messed with it. But then I saw a really important card that I was like, oh, my. Well, this is quite interesting. And the card is, I'm, I'm looking it up actually right now because I don't know all the card names. From, I haven't memorized everything yet, guys. All right? Sure. I'm only human. What color um, is it? Is it uh, Unexpected Arrival. Unexpected. Oh, sure. So it's yes. a three-cost yellow action. Invade, then summon a random Daedra with cost equal to your Oblivion Gates level. So one thing I kind of, uh, I guess, dis discovered as I was thinking about that card, right, uh, is the idea that when you play that, right, um, if you have no Oblivion Gate on the board, <clears throat> it puts an Oblivion Gate on the board, and then it summons a one-drop Daedra. There's only two one-drop Daedras. There's a red one that when it summons, it invades. Uh, and there's a blue one blue that one. has a ward, and when it breaks, it, it invades. invades. Sure. So effectively, you, the first time you play it, um, you're getting a level two Oblivion Gate and a creature. And here's the other thing about the Oblivion Gates. I can blow them up for Transmogrify. That's part of building a Transmogrify deck, is you need effects actions that generate creatures to sacrifice for transmogrify yes so i decided heck i'm gonna run uh invade uh actions so unexpected arrival blast from oblivion invasion party and the crisis begins i'm running two of those the the javelin without prophecy that also invades that will probably end up getting cut but um i'm running all of those and basically hey listen if they ignore it then every time that I can basically like if, if I if I put a gate down and they ignore it, right? Then every time I put gates down um, and play unexpected arrival, I'm getting bigger and bigger things to try to fight for the board with as I'm stalling, right? And then of course theoretically, if it gets to the time when I play forces of destruction, sweet. And I was able to pull off a level two or three gate uh, with force of destruction and kind of win off of that in transmogrify, which is kind of cool. Um, I didn't get to play my invasion parties yet, which is disappointing because I'm excited to see how those work. But uh, the point is, I also slammed two siege crawlers in uh, and an Odaving as oh, my transmogrify. Two target. siege crawlers, okay. Yeah, uh, and so at a fi at fifteen fifteen, it's with no effect. Yeah, they're they're just okay. But what's cool is the ability for them to get random keywords and stuff like that. And you know, I figured, hey, listen, I probably will end up cutting them in like a a quote-unquote serious transmogrify but uh i said sure you know if that exists if that's a, is, if that's uh, a real thing yeah i said this is this is uh, on brand for us so we're just gonna leave it as is and i mean if you think about blast from oblivion right now it basically gives you a creature that you can transmogrify with and deals one damage if that's if you don't have a gate out but if you do have a gate mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. it's actually fairly comparable to what it ended up replacing in my typical list which is reverberating strike which is most of the time, Reverberating Strike says deal three damage to a creature. Sure. Last from Oblivion, on average, I found in my four games or so that I played, uh, was deal two damage to a creature and get a gate. So I was like, that, that's all right. That's okay. You know, I'm good with that. And, uh, I'm running Blackmail. And it has Prophecy. That's true. And, and Prophecy. And that's relevant. That's very relevant in a deck that's going to get hit in the face quite a bit. 
Well, that and if you're if you're like transmogifying and they're they clear your whole board and you're going in a transmogify round and they hit your face and you prophesy this, they can't get rid of the zero four. Now you're like on their turn, you're placing something on the board for you to be able to transmogify, which is exactly. uh, a cool. It probably doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's like maybe game changing. Oh, absolutely. And so like I, I've run Gravegrasp for that exact reason a couple of times, like in some builds. Oh, uh, you yeah, know? sure. I like Gravegrasp, actually. I, I think it's a neat card. I mean, I play that in the Sorcerer version of Transmogrify that I play. I play two copies of Gravegrasp, so. I had played that in my – it just got replaced for the new Legendary Skeleton. But I was playing yeah. that in my Skeleton Sorcerer with Training Grounds. Mm-hmm. And there were times when – and also Corsair Ship. There was times when I was, like, throwing out, like, three or four – like four threes um, and mm. shackling something on a prophecy, which is like, it's ju- just absolutely destroys your opponent. If you can pull that off, if, if you have it, but they're, nice. they're a cool card. If you can buff those one ones that you summon whenever you're, you know, pulling them out. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's mostly what I messed with. Uh, except then I, the other deck I built and I actually really liked and actually won a good amount of games with was uh, self damage. Renarin. Oh, Rhetoric. Okay. Mm-hmm. Self-damage Rhetoric. And I can tell you, uh, Warrior is probably pretty good too, but Rhetoric, it feels better. And the reason is solely because of the card that I said was broken, and it certainly is, uh, which is uh, Wandering Wanderer Person, wand, Wander Support Man, Support Wander, whatever. Worldly oh, Wanderer. Yeah. Worldly <laughs> Wanderer, found it. Worldly Wanderer. Yeah, dude. He just puts a Fighter's Guild Hall on the board. He just yeah. comes down and says, get your Fighters Guild Hall on the board. And then because you if you have a board before he comes down and you're ready to trade, he comes down, puts it down, you trade, you get buffed, etc., etc., etc. It feels actually pretty darn cool and fun. There's so many choices in it, too. I'm trying to decide if I want more aggro or more mid-range, how much card draw I want in it. So there's so many choices here. Um, about what I'm running, but honestly, Blast Bones has been killing it for me. Blast, Blast Bones, Blast Bones has been crushing it, dude. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you this: I did play Invasion Party a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Here was something that was interesting because I pictured I pictured the interaction being like, um, so Invasion Party comes up and you choose like it would come up three times, right? And you'd have mm-hmm. two cards to click. One would say Invade, the other one would say Summon a One-One Scamp, and then it would come up again, and then it would come up a third time. But what it does is it comes up and there's four options across the screen, and then like an over button, and it says Invade three times. Then it says invade one time, summon two one one scamps. Then invade two times, summon one 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 scamp. Oh. Then, then you have to push over to get to summon three one one scamps. So you only click one thing, but it was it was weird to me that they put so much on the screen. Um, I didn't I I did not expect them to put that many cards on the screen. Because yeah. um, I was like that that was clunky. It was like almost. Now I'm playing on my iPad, so maybe it looks mm. a little different somewhere else. But on my iPad, it was really clunky looking. Um, I, I like it. Like, if you can invasion party and, like, pull three Oblivion Gates or, like, mm-hmm. you know, invade three times and then you have enough mana to, you know, drop uh, enough Magicka to drop, uh, you know, a few Daedra with it, it can be crazy. Like, that card can be really strong. Yeah, um, I ran into a invade battle mage and they were able to get um, <clears throat> a turn five five uh level five oblivion gate mm-hmm. 
uh, they just curved out invade cards every single turn. And I was playing this self-damage Redoran, uh, and I was initially, you know, posturing aggressively. I went in field lane, committed to field lane. Well, they put the Oblivion Gate Shadow Lane, and actually that brings up a, another point. I think Oblivion Gate by default goes Shadow. It does every single time. Yeah, I didn't know it, that. Unless it cannot go shadow. Mm-hmm. Like if your shadow lane is full, it'll move to field lane. But other than that, it always summons in shadow lane. Well, that's certainly interesting and something I, I didn't know. But I guess it it's probably better. I almost wish I had the choice, though, because I think it's one of those things. I think it's one of those things like they have to do that um, in order for decks not to run away with the game. Because like if you think about it, if you're protecting heavily investing in field lane mm-hmm. then you always have trade priority versus mm-hmm. your opponent has trade priority in shadow so they can just put a, a measly little sanctuary pet down and then kill it kill yeah, the that's game happened the too many times for me yeah no i dealt with some frustrations with lethal i think lethal got a huge buff just by nature of the new things that are out mm-hmm. and oh, yes, and ward is not really a thing in the Daedra decks yet. I mean, someone might have, will probably hybridize them, but... Hey, little Jamie just raided over here with uh, with 45 viewers. Uh, what's up, little Jamie? Thanks for thanks for sending people over our way. Appreciate it, man. Well, guys, we're in the middle of a, a podcast right now, so we're on episode number 18 of, uh, of Legends Cast. Um, one of the things, DBN, that I've noticed is, like, so I got one, what I started with was Invade. Like, I, mm-hmm. I and I didn't intend to. Like, my goal was to play Goblins. Like, that's what I wanted to play since I started seeing Goblins come out in the set, and I haven't been really interested in Invade. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I'm going to save some of my gold. I got, like, the pre-order. I was like, this is great. I'm going to have a lot of packs. And then I just kept using my gold and buying packs. And then all of a sudden, I bought, like, 220 packs. <laughs> and, like, and so, and then, like, I opened the, I opened them all. And before I knew it, like, I was, I was, like, three legendary cards of crafting away from just having the complete set. And the card back with Akatosh on it for having the complete oh, set of this was yeah. just, like, Oh my gosh, it was so cool. It was it was really really cool. So uh, I had to had to sort of like um, craft a couple so that I could get that. So I, I finished the set and then I started looking through and I was like, you know what? I actually do really want to play Invade. And so that's what I did. I started playing I started playing Invade um, and uh, and really enjoyed it. One mm-hmm. of the games that I played, you know, my Daedra, I was summoning. I had um, I had copied one of my gates when it got really high, and I had buffed them a couple of times. And in every single danger that I played, got plus one, plus one, and received every keyword. Every one. Yeah. They were, they were getting, I think, between the two gates, they were receiving 14 keywords, which is there's not that many in the game. So it was I was receiving plus two, plus two. All of my danger were minus two mana, and I was receiving every keyword on every single one that I played. Um, it was just like playing Dagoth over and over <laughs> this is like really really crazy turns and the the thing that i found that was maybe the most surprising is i had two copies i i, I opened one and i crafted a copy of forces of destruction and it's not as good as i thought it would be i really? thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be awesome like I really felt like it was going to be a finisher. What I found is, is with these with these decks, like you really don't get to build your Oblivion Gate more than once, maybe twice. 
Mm-hmm. And by turn 10, you usually have won the game because you snowballed Oblivion Gates, or this is only invading once, and you've sort of lost the game because they've taken board and cleared your Oblivion Gates. Um, so I haven't been super impressed with Forces of Destruction. Um, if you play Forces of Destruction and you get plus one, plus one on all your things at summons and three keywords on each, you probably won the game without Forces of Destruction, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think we talked about that in the, the last um, last episode. I was kind of predicting. I, I just didn't feel like you could go really controlly with, like, with Invade. Or you rather... Gotta, you really have to be curving out. I you think it's a curve. curve. I, I think ideally you're right. I think it's, like, curvy mid-range or, like, high top-end aggro. So I played against a Battle Mage, and... Now, okay, let me let me amend that. I think you can do control invade, but I don't think you go all in on it. You know what I mean? Like you just take kind of the best parts of it and kind of just let it just be a little bit of a more attrition based thing. But the thing is, like none of the dangers really draw cards. Like and, no. and you need if you're gonna have a board centric strategy, you need card draw because if you're playing another control deck, or heck, even if you're playing a mid range deck, what you start seeing is from hand removal, your opponents like when you're playing control and a lot of your stuff is about either let's say let's say your 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 proactivity when it comes to something like uh, remember Evanhard. So Evanhard would need to be proactive in terms of ramping, right? Yes, uh-huh. sure. Uh, you know, and so that that's that's how it would play proactively. A deck like this, or even really a deck like Mid Tribunal, you know, it, it wants to play proactively by putting things on the board, but that's so much more susceptible to removal and therefore a loss of resource. So you need ways to refill those those resources, hence things like um, Thedon and, and, and crap like that. But like, I I mean, you probably put that on in a, you know, if, you, if you're playing like a mage build or a guild sworn build, you probably put that on in the, in the, Daedra, the Daedra lineup. But I got to say, like, I I think it's going to be best as a aggressive or mid-range list, and I just don't see how it competes against other control lists. And I think that's fine because, like, the flavor of Invade doesn't feel like it should be controlly. And frankly, if, like, the Oblivion Gates become a thing where, like, you can just protect them indefinitely, that's probably bad too. So, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's an evading force of demon things. Are they demons? I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah, know they're demons. They're, they're demon-esque. They're definitely yeah. demon-esque. And so I think that, right, I don't know that you can actually play Invade well aggressively. And, and here, here's, hear me out. This is the reason why. Your Invade cards are a 1-mana one 1-1 one with Ward and a 1-mana one 1-1 one one that invades. Then on your next level, your only level 2 Invade cards is a 2-mana 1-4. Mm-hmm. So you can't even really begin to get aggressively statted minions until you get to turn three. Now there are some, there is a red card that is a two mana three two. I think that gets plus one plus one each mm-hmm. turn if you invade, and that is aggressively statted, but it doesn't invade in and of itself, right? So it's going to be a two mana three two unless you're running the zero mana invade card. Um, and so I don't know, like I, I really feel like they sort of put this in a position where you're like firmly mid-range you're like board centric mid-range and one of the things that i've noticed is almost every single game that i've played because i've played mostly invade it almost every single game is played in the shadow lane 
in, in your opponent. Like if you play the one mana one one with ward when the ward pops, you invade. If you play that mm-hmm. in the field lane, no one wants to go to the field lane again. It's just everybody goes to the shadow lane. So I think that's going to bring about a dynamic that's a little bit different in this game is that you you have to chase. You cannot let that thing go. If you let that thing go and it gets going a little bit and, and they can maybe get two or three ticks on it so that their danger costs one less and they pump up a couple more and they're starting to get charge and drain and ward on their from their keywords, mm-hmm. um, you can't keep up with it. Like you have to chase that thing, which is, I think, why things like Leaf Lurker, um, uh, not Leaf Lurker, I'm sorry, uh, anything that has lethal. Well, I think like, Leaf Lurker is good against it too, for the record. Yeah, I, Leaf Lurker is good against it. Yeah, I think that uh, Finish Off is really strong against it too. Um, obviously execute. Uh, the other thing I thought about is the the rain of arrows card, the one that kills everything yeah, in your storm. opponent's lane that has like yeah arrow storm. Um, there is a new one, uh, a newer card out that has the empower ability. It's three mana destroy a creature with one power or less. So that also always gets rid of the gate. Um, well, there's so also I, a new one that banishes something with zero or less. Oh yeah, and that costs zero. I mean, I don't know why you. Should. I don't know why you would play that over execute, but you could. I mean, the cards exist that deal with it. And unfortunately, yeah. I honestly wish they didn't deal with it so cleanly. Like that just means that if it if invade ever gets good, people run three executes. Yeah, I mean, I'm running. It just, it feels kind of nah. I played invade mage because I found in mage in a uh, invade with guildsworn. Like mm-hmm. I almost didn't have enough to like keep the invade going right like i was really struggling keeping invade going and so i moved over to mage and have really enjoyed it and i cracked three open of like the dromora adept um i cracked three of those and so i really wanted to try those out they're not great um they're the ones that if you gain a keyword um you uh invade and i I, you can hit them with like i'm running manic jack so you can hit them with the manic jack thing you know right the dream is is that you get your thing to level like four or five or whatever when you start getting keywords so that you play this it gets a keyword and invades for you but realistically these things come out on turn three you're never going to have your so often this is just a three mana four three which isn't awful but well i mean i don't know though like if you see this is why i still think it's playable aggro right so like I mean, th- if you think about if you think about like you slam this bad boy on three in shadow, right? Let's say you already have a gate out, and yeah, let's say you've got a couple weaker guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is like defensively static creatures can still be aggro creatures because you put things like you know a steel scimitar on it, and now it's trading and surviving the trade, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, sure. If you if you slam wardcrafters down. And by the way, Wordcrafter on this card is a dream, right? It gets to get a free trade. It gets to invade. You set up for your, you know, mm-hmm. three your golden initiate. By the way, as a Daedra, okay, which is really strong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really uh, so like, I still think I, I really do think that it can be played aggro. I don't know if it will ever be better than like Crusader aggro, but I would bet that it has a. It's a little bit more going to be more akin to like a sorcerer or a warrior in that the threats are going to be beefier more focused on kind of your game plan is still establish a board so strong that your opponent can't restabilize like that your opponent can't stabilize right mm-hmm. that's basically aggro isn't really this is a, an interesting conversation i had with a couple of people aggro isn't really about taking your opponent to zero the aggro win condition is building a board so resilient that your opponent cannot come it cannot reclaim the board 
Mm-hmm. And from that position, you always win. It doesn't matter if it's health totals or trading. You can take your time picking it apart, right? Because if you think about aggro in this game compared to, like, old aggro and Hearthstone base set, which was Face Hunter, where your creatures only had to live for one turn and you didn't care after that, Face Hunter, the win condition was take your opponent's health to zero. It couldn't control the board. You know, an aggro, mm-hmm. in many cases, does control the board through its creature trades, overstatted creatures, tricking trades with cloud rest or whatever, you know, moving lanes to manipulate that. So, like, you know, I think that this deck can do that. It's just going to be a slightly slower-paced aggro. Yeah, I think that, right, that Halalu really made that type of aggro popular, right? Like mm-hmm. a board, a really board-centric board control aggro. Um, I think that, like, there there were some decks that were, like, pretty burny, just, like, they didn't care. They just wanted to burn your face as fast as they could. Well, they exist, I, yeah. Yeah, I think there's, like, Battle Mage sort of has that. I think Crusader can do that, but I think Crusader does want to control the board as well but it like i even even when i think about that right like the two one drops for this still i mean the one one with ward isn't bad i don't know it, it, it's hard to say i mean because you can't just equip a steel scimitar to your gate and use it because it's permanently shackled yeah um I, i'll be interested to see kind of what happens this is one of the more aggressively statted the dramora adept the other uh, danger that really surprised me is that I haven't played in forever is the spiteful Dramora. And this is a five mana four, three, I think from the base set that reads summon, destroy a creature with two power or less. So if you have a gate on the board on turn five, this gets buffed probably a five mana four, four, and it destroys your enemy's gate like an execute. And Mm -hmm. because it's a danger, it's going to get buffed by your gates, which I think may see a kind of a bit of a resurgence. If we see a lot of invade. Um, Yeah. Because that's that's a strong card against against the against another invade deck. Um, I mean, I'm just pro, pro tip for all the people on the ladder who are getting annoyed by invade: play three executes, win game. I mean, like, there's some reality to that, right? Is that yeah. Just like figure out a way. Just like it's not hard to tech against mm-hmm. their their gate. Like just tech in a way that will beat their gates, and you can pretty easily win that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, uh, you know, I think you're going to see invade for quite some time. People are. Oh, it's fun. I mean, I, I can it tell is. you from the what little I play, and I haven't even played a true invade deck. I played a transmogrify invade deck. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't really play like all in on the on the mechanic, and I can still tell you it was fun. Now, I I will say the game I had against it, uh, against a, a kind of clearly fleshed out, you know. Um, committed invade deck um you know i played my self damage rhetoric and i did ignore the gate i hmm. said you know what i'm gonna ignore the gate and see what happens right i mean like somebody's got to do it right like the only way we get information on how to beat it if we don't have executes you know is seeing where the breaking point is on ignoring the gate right so i said you know, my opponent first thing he does drops the one one imp that's or, or scamp that summons a you know a gate over there. I yeah, said okay. Invades. Uh-huh. Right. I said okay. Um, crap. Let me sure. ring out. Let me ring out my barrow stalker in field lane. Right. So I yeah, play barrow sure. stalker in field lane. Well now, okay. Opponent plays the uh, the two mana one four invades again. Okay, look over over there at that gate. It's a level two gate in shadow. Um, there's a one four in shadow, and I'm like, yo, I don't, I, I, I don't care. 
right? Because then I play my I play my fearless Northlander on three in field, take a trade, uh-huh. you know. On you know on four, I get to play whatever you know whatever. I don't remember exactly what I played on four. But the point is, I basically just kind of ignored it uh, until I ended up saying, okay, I have field lane so under control, it's not even funny. My opponent is curving out, but at the same time, I'm get I'm playing edicts. You know, I mm-hmm. played blast bones on five, cleared out one of the the creatures, and because the deck didn't have you know, didn't ever get to, like, a Dark Seducer, right, level threat, and couldn't play Dark Seducer anyways, right, because it's purple, you know, because they never got to a beefy enough threat, it didn't matter, like, oh, no, something, they ran out of cards is what I'm getting at. I would just kind of go one for one, and I'd say, yeah, and I'd say, okay, you played a two-mana card with a million keywords, and you charged me for three. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. So it's like, okay, if you can one for one it, kind of like how a control tribunal would, right? I mean, or even really as aggro, if you can kind of put some stuff down in field, lock that down, and then start putting things in shadow, it's like we talked about the the the, the downside of it always going shadow is that it gives trade priority to the other player, to the opponent. The opponent has an opportunity to take whatever gets put down with cover. To go that to take that into the gate instead of into something else that they want to trade, of course, unless there's guard, right? So like I don't know. Um, it needs to have card draw. They need to find a way to get card draw. I think that mage is going to be the way to go with um, so, smart crusaders. You know, I think oh, guild sworn's a way. I think a guild sworn's a way to go too. East smart crusaders, crusader salt that gives you plenty of trading tools. It gives you you know with the crusader salt being able to kind of leverage. You know, oh, I can get enough attack to, you know, get through this trade my opponent thought I couldn't get through, and now they don't have that creature that can kill my gate. I draw cards. Oh, look, my things are discounted, etc., etc., etc. Plus, East March is just the best aggro, one of the best aggro creatures in the game. Hey, it's aggressively statted, and it draws you a card. Yeah, that's that's like the definition. (laughs) Yeah, could there possibly be a better card? I honestly, I didn't even think about Crusader. Um, I kind of forgot about that combo i've just been thinking like mage and battle mage like those are the two because i've been thinking about like okay you gotta have blue in it for forces of destruction but if you're not really going to forces of destruction then do you really need i don't think that you do i think that you can play the invade cards in red yellow and play an aggressive crusader with a lot of card draw um i really do like mage i think it i think that that's maybe one of the cooler things like that you're going to maybe see some dual killers um and that's going to be cool that are going to be running the invade mechanic also other than the fact that you're going to be seeing some, some dual killers like to see a resurgence of mage would be exciting to me because we really haven't seen mage since tri-keller came out mm-hmm. not in any significant amount anyway like mage has kind of fallen off the map because it was like the best control class one for one control class before tri-keller and then once tri-keller came out it was like Sure, you could play mage, but you could splash another Keller and just be better at everything, no, yeah. matter, no matter what you're planning on doing. And it would be cool if there was like a, a, a pretty strong mage deck that was running around. Um, I, I have run into a couple of decks that ignored my gate, and um, and I they didn't. It, one of them they paid the price because they were playing animals, and that deck ended up being terrible. Yeah. Um, then the other deck was just playing like a really aggressive Dagoth build. And mm-hmm. it didn't bother him at all. Like, he just destroyed me. It was just like, sure, go ahead. You can play a Love gate. It. I'm going to play this uh, Mournhold Trader. Yeah, here's a here's a hand of Dagoth. 
nice gate, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, and I had a big gate, but it didn't matter. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of like gate deck against gate deck, right? There's a lot of yeah, invade versus that. invade right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are, you're, they're going to attack against in things. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how long that will last. Uh, yeah, I'm always, I'm always the person that goes against the grain. If everybody, if a new set comes out and everybody's into, uh, and if everybody's into consume, I'm going to go play wax wing. If everybody's into invade, I'm going to go play, uh, self damage. Yeah, I don't know. There's something. I just, uh, I'm, I'm a rebel. I'm, I'm a rebel. Well, I think I that say? one of the things with this set, at least in the last one, right, we had consume and we had wax wane. Mm. In this one, there are there are there are like cards that came out to sort of like support um, other builds. Like there were some cards that supported self damage warrior, but self damage warrior was always something that that existed. Um, you know, there's some cards that came out that supported sort of like um support support centric decks but we did have support centric decks that were out there already um invade is really the only like strongly pushed mechanic in this where in the last set we got two strongly pushed mechanics i i would i would strongly push against that idea because i think there is something we're totally missing we're totally uh glossing over what's that hand buff Hand buff was definitely pushed. Okay, and, okay, that's fair. And can I tell you, it's scary. I played one game, one game, against a guy playing hand buff veteran, uh, and yeah, I won. I won, but not um, convincingly. And to be honest, um, I think I might have just gotten lucky. The deck seems scary. And the reason why the deck seems scary is uh, literally the Emperor's Attendant. So here's the thing about this card. So if you buff this to, say, a Mm 4-4, it comes down. It's a 4-4. You pass on the buff to someone else. Immediately. You pass on the buff to another Attendant. You can play that next Attendant and keep passing on the buff. By the way, have you met Emperor Attendant's best friend, the Ambitious Hireling? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Which which one's the ambitious hireling? Oh oh, you don't know that, do you? Well, there's it's because nobody plays it really but me. Uh, I play two copies of my token builds. Uh, but it's uh the two mana one one that gives another friendly creature power and health equal to ambitious hireling's oh, power. It yes. buffs the board instead of the hand, so you can go like attendant who's a four four. And buff the hireling by 4-4. And then on the next turn, you play the hireling, which is a 5-5, and buff the something else on the board by 5-5. I mean, the stats just keep rolling over. They don't go away, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then it, they were just... running uh, the the card that buffs plus one, plus one to every creature in your deck as well. I, I ran into one that was running those. Yeah, well, I didn't see that one in particular, but I'm sure it was in there. Inspiring Kinsman uh, actually made a huge comeback. I mean, look at Inspiring Kinsman. It's, you know, it's rally, buffs the hand. Last gasp is basically another rally, right? And then, mm-hmm. honestly, this is something that I'm really interested to see how this takes off, or if it takes off, right? Uh, which is the Doomed Adventurer. One mana, one, one, but it rolls two, two onto something else in your hand. Like, I can, yes. I can see this being played in an aggro deck, which would normally run a more aggressively statted one, one, but 
heck, I mean, that's basically 3-3 three, three for 1. It's just delayed, but but the delay isn't even a big deal, I don't think. If it goes on to, say, your Bleak Coast troll or your Young Mammoth, if you have a 6-6 six, six Young Mammoth on 3, I don't think you're going to argue. No. That's you know? <laughs> pretty strong. 6-6 six, six with Breakthrough on 3. There, yeah, I, so I played against one of these Redoran decks, and we revealed Faded, or what is it? Yeah, Faded Wraith. Yeah, Faded Wraith, which is the 5-mana 1-3 draw cards equal to its power. And when I played against this Redoran deck, he, he buffed his he buffed twice, like his, with Petroleum Commanders, his entire deck. And so I was like, oh, man. And then he played one of these, what is it, Emperor's Attendants, which came in with a 5th Legion Commander on the board. And it came in as a 2-2, so it buffed something for 3. So the next turn, he played a Faded Wraith that once again got plus 1 to it, had been hit by that commander. He drew 5 cards. (laughs) 5 cards. And had a huge creature. And he had a giant creature. I'm telling you, man, it's scary. And once people figure this out, this thing is for. I think this deck is for real. I think it, this deck is for real. You know what happens when you draw five cards? You draw another faded wraith. That's what happens. <laughs> That's what always happens, probably. So, like two turns later, I was running him out of cards again. Do you know what he did? He played like a faded wraith and drew six that time because it had been buffed by the commander twice. Now it yeah. was just like. It was insane. It was like, okay, this is Redoran because of Faded Wraith. And, and and the crazy part is is you can choose with Emperor's Attendant. Yeah. No, You're like, you know what? If it, was, sure. if it was like Rally where it was random, it wouldn't be as, as good. But, yeah, since you can choose, nuts. Yeah, the fact that you can choose is just – that's insane to me. And if, yeah. if you think about it, right, if you play this in conjunction with the Worldly Wanderer, and you want to just hit your Worldly Wonder and you play a five mana, you know, if you get plus two on it, right, a five, seven or a six, eight. Um, and then it pulls out a free fervor for you on the board mm-hmm. to buff everything. It's like here's a five mana fervor plus a six, eight because yeah. of the fact that I buffed it up with this Emperor's Attendant. And, and then what I'm finding is it's not really hard to get those Emperor's Attendants to sort of build off of one another. And no. all of that is just in purple and yellow. So I'm saying there could be a hand buff spell sword out there. I think they oh, can yeah, do I this stuff so. reliably. Yeah, I mean I think I think Redoran's just gonna be better. Uh just because Crusader is nuts. Yeah, Crusader I mean, Crusader's Crusader Crusader's assault warps the environment to a certain extent. Because it basically gives you this huge freaking argument for just running Crusader plus another color as opposed to a you know different dual color. You know what I mean? Sure. It's uh, like in, in, in the same way that like Source of Negation does the same thing. Yes, right. Like, okay, if you're playing blue and you don't know what else to splash, just play Sorcerer's Negation with your other color because, sure, you're going to go Tribunal but or whatever it's going to end up as, but you're you're going to get Sorcerer's Negations in your deck. You're right, Crusaders is all fair. So, like, you could play a spell sword deck and then throw in uh, I, the Redoran Forerunner or whatever, the one-mana 1-1 one, one with Charge, Ward, and Drain. And then, yeah. uh, or the two mana one one, and then, uh, and then from there, just like I'm just doing this just so I can run Crusaders assaults. Yeah, because it's it's worth including 25 more cards just to have Crusaders assault in your deck sometimes. Yeah, well, and also like I mean Crusader, I mean yellow. So if you're looking at uh, spell sword summoning, right? You've got yellow, purple, got a lot of great stuff, but the utility that red adds is actually not uh, it's not to be overlooked. I mean when you think about red. 
you get Earthbone Spinners, Halalu mm -hmm. Sharpshooters, so now you get Silence. You also get Dust Nagyals and Belligerent Giants, so you get um, Support, support removal, removal. You know, um, you have some pretty potent um, sort of kind of utility items if you want to put items in for a more aggressive approach. So you get Scimitars if you want, you can get da uh, Cloak and Daggers, but you can also get things like um, Quicksilver Crossbows if you, if you think you're going to slay things. You get um, mobilized things, right? Covenant plates and ornamented swords. And then even on this the side of creatures, right? I mean, you can even go, you get Garnag. Garnag is like single-handedly insane. Like Garnag's just a great freaking card. Mm -hmm. You know, you go up to the top end. Oh man, like I'm playing a later later game kind of board center control deck. Well, you know, Vigilant Giants in, yeah. You can get Rage. All of a sudden, you have a you have a win con, win con. You know, like now Lord of the Arena, Malomnir, Red Year. Like Red adds so much versatility that I think people forget that Red can do that. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting because I think that there's there's definitely some I don't know like I gotta continue crafting legendaries if I want to do this because I have one faded wraith I would need a second one but I do I do think I want to experiment with some of this hand buff spell sword maybe splash another Keller maybe see how good it is to just really consistently get those buffs because you're only running 50 cards but you know I don't disagree but purple does have a lot of versatility as well like purple has silences galore it has support removal galore it has targeted removal because it's splashed with yellow right because you're playing mm -hmm. spell sword so you do have a lot of that there what you're missing is rage some card draw and uh, you you got there's also, cheaper silences you also lose access first off earthbound spinner is the best silence in the game i think i i no excuse me source of negation Yes. And then and then uh, Earth and then Earthbone Spinner. Earthbone yeah. Spinner is bonkers, especially in the Ward meta. So I mean, you you do love that. But the biggest thing too out of red that you want is, in my opinion, the best red card in the game. It's Rapid Shot. Rapid Shots. Rapid Shots. So many people sleep on this. I still look at so many dang lists that don't have Rapid Shot and should have I Rapid Shot. Always forget to put it in. You gotta put in those Rapid Shots, baby. That thing is that thing is really good. It's so it, it's it cycles itself. Anything that anything that cantrips, anything that cantrips is just. I mean, it's cheap. It cycles itself. It triggers plot effects. You know, it can remove wards. It can set up favorable trades. It's just oh my gosh, rap, rapid shot. I love the card. It's like shadow shift. Rapid shot and shadow shift are two halves of the same coin, which is thoroughly integral and exceptionally versatile, uh, one cost cantripping actions. Speaking of Shadow yeah. Shift, yeah. do you know that it got new animation? Uh, it was it's when I saw that I geeked out. Dude, it's nice. It's so good. It's <laughs> really good animation. It's so like good. Really, really, really good. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think the animation is is really sick. Was there any cards so far like the? I mean, obviously we haven't played a ton, right? But is there cards so far that have surprised you? Uh, in terms of like being good, just being good, like maybe a card that you didn't think that you were gonna like, or something that that ended up being pretty powerful. Um, I I don't I'm I'm kind of looking through the list to see like honestly I didn't think oh. much of like unexpected arrival, and now that I've played it a couple times I'm like oh, this is a really good freaking card for invade yeah. decks. Really, no, good. I I think I yeah, it's unexpected arrival is what made me want to go and do the whole. Um, do the whole transmogrify invade. 
Mm-hmm. I still am scared of defensive Bruma and what it's going to do for the game. That card yeah. still scares me. That's a four mana cost two less for each friendly creature with five or more health and then give friendly creatures plus one plus one in card. Like so you would play this without the discount. Yes, you're right. You would. Potentially. And there's opportunities for this pretty a lot, especially if we're talking about this Redoran and this Spell Sword deck that buffs stuff. It's not unrealistic for this to be almost always a zero cost plus one plus one guard to all your creatures. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't played with enough of the new cards yet to make big things. I will say from a um, on the opponent side of things, the Dramora Channeler uh, was extremely impressive in the Redoran game. So the Redoran game played control. I mean, the hand buff is a control strat, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at least the version that I played against. And Dramora Channeler, when it's a 8-8 off of all the buffs, <laughs> heals for 16. <laughs> Uh, and and for the record, my opponent had an Ebonheart Oracle out at the time, uh, so it healed for 32. <laughs> oh, uh, so I legitimately think there is a Namira's uh, Ring of Namira OTK there that is actually good. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you could buff this up, Ring of Namira, play this, and potentially just one shot somebody. Yep. And now, interesting. Yeah, and so now that that kind of necessitates that you play it in uh, Empire, right? Because you need green, you need yellow, and you need purple mm-hmm. for the hand buff stuff. So, I mean, I think that's what it's probably intended for. And yeah, it's a setup play, but... It's Ring probably Namira, the best, it's probably the easiest setup play for Ring and Amira that, that's out there right now. I mean, now. considering all the other ones are so absurdly difficult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're really cool when they go off, not against me, but when I watch them <laughs> on stream go off, they're really, yeah. they're really cool. Um, yeah, I, so I, I've been kind of like wondering, the, the one that I really like is this Lich card, the four mana, three, five, summon, choose an enemy creature at yeah. the start of your turn. If the chosen creature is alive, summon a one, one risen dead with guard. Um so the, I think the big thing for me is so I'm playing this in my uh, my skeleton deck um, that runs training grounds is that this is for me has typically been like if I throw it in the shadow lane and put something in the, the field lane. This is a four mana four six that usually summons a two two with guard at the beginning of my turn. Um, and because if, if I have at least one copy of Training Ground down, um, this has been a, a pretty sweet card, a really sweet card. I have two of them. Um, I have really liked that card. I think that the, the Lich, I'm not even going to try to pronounce its name, but I think that the Lich is a really, really cool card. Have you messed around or, or checked out, you know, we have the two uh, decks that came out, right? The two mm-hmm. 500 gold decks. Um, I looked at them. To be fair, I looked at them after I had already cracked packs and got both the legendaries. <laughs> so I didn't feel inclined to buy them. I, yeah. I don't I don't know that I like these the two legendaries that are in it. Um you, know, you're talking about the decks or the cards themselves the, the legendaries themselves. Well, I didn't really look thoroughly at the decks. We'd have to take a look thoroughly at the decks um, to see if they're worth buying or spending. Yeah, I got to admit, I wasn't super impressed with the decks themselves. Not necessarily in how good they are, because I won't be caught dead playing them. No offense to anybody who's playing them, but like I have a full collection. I don't need to play them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I wasn't super impressed, uh, only, if only because for a, they're pretty much and may okay. 
there's almost no incentive to buy them outside of the legendary if you are a invested player, a previously invested player. There's almost yeah. no reason to buy them unless you're basically saying, all right, I want to make sure I protect myself against duplicate protection, right? Because you don't get anything from – you get one epic from the new set per deck and one legendary, right? Mm-hmm. You are already going to pull all the commons and rares in the world from all the packs you're going to open. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at this – this deck and i see oh man am i going to get any cool these cool new you know uh, epics they're going to really flesh out the mechanics or whatever and i see one copy of who done it in martin septum's <laughs> ascendant like i didn't even really read that card i was like this is a stupid name it I got played against me it got played against me probably not bad. Card. i lost to the deck it wasn't because of a avatar of akatosh because they played martin septum and i said oh cool say hello to my edict you know, yeah. but <laughs> even uh, if you do turn into a 30-30, you're still going to say hello to my edict. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if in that, I will say, if Avatar of Akatosh had charge, if Avatar of Akatosh had cannot be targeted, immune, if Avatar of Akatosh went, you know, did a, a Dragon Ball Z fusion with hulking scale on, yeah. then I'd be impressed. <laughs> yeah. But all it's right. just like, I can remove that. You went to all this effort, and this, this card But sucks. I will say one thing about this. I think that, I, I have to say this. So that's the echo. That's the Avatar of Akatosh thing. That's not why this card is good. And I think this card is good. You, basically, this, you could ignore, if, I think people would be freaking out about this card if the bottom half didn't exist. Because the bottom half is a big old distraction. Sure, if you just saw five, four mana, three, seven. There, there was a card. There's a card in, in um, Legend of the Five Rings, not the, the current the, the current iteration from Fantasy Flight, but before when it was AEG. And it was really funny. Uh, it was called, I believe it was called Yojimbo's Duty. And um, what, what was really funny about it is um, the first, it had two actions on it. The first action said, if you control a Yojimbo, which was like a, a keyword, right? If you mm-hmm. control your Jimbo, then give it plus two attack and it cannot be bowed or whatever, right? And everyone, when that card came out, everybody said, started reading, saw the keyword, said, throw it away. Your Jimbos aren't playable, <laughs> right? And then they, later on, somebody, somebody smarter than, than everybody I knew, uh, picked it up and all of a sudden took it. In, put it in a deck and went all the way to and win wins worlds right and everyone's like what is this card and he's like you dummies didn't read the second half of the card it says just straight up straighten any of your guys like which basically would amount to attacking again right oh, okay, so okay it was okay. almost like a swift strike right but but because they got distracted by the top half of the text nobody kept reading and put it in the binder and like that's what this is i think which is that this card basically allows you to carry mana between turns that is nutty. It is really strong. It is really strong. I mean, if you, if you can pull it off, if it doesn't get removed, the turn it goes down. But you know what? A 4-mana 3-7 is incredible stats. Well, they're defense, yeah. I mean, I mean th- this, this card, okay. So imagine you play this card... Uh, and uh, we'll say you, you carry over, one, let's say you play this on five, and somehow it doesn't die. Which, by the way, aggro and midrange aren't always going to be able to kill something with seven defense. Uh, also, by the way, Battle Mage doesn't 
can't fell the mighty this. So they don't have a way to single target removal this. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't lightning bolt it, not dead yet. Tilted you know, there's no there's no jabs. Right. So it's, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, but you have a three seven. Okay, so then you go into your turn six with seven mana. Hmm. Uh if, and, and then if it stays alive because, oh, I don't know, you play Territorial Vipers or, you know, whatever to protect it, you can spend half of your magic on a turn in a control deck. This is this is going to be crazy in Control Mirrors, to be completely honest. I mean, how many times have you seen Talvani not have anything to play? Mm-hmm. Right? And then all of a sudden you say, okay, great. Well, let's see. I, since I didn't play anything last turn, it's now my turn nine, and here's my Odevang. Or here's sure. my, you, you see what I'm getting at here. I think this card's great. And I think this card's great because it, it says you have to deal with it. Any card that is so strong that somebody has to immediately pursue it, it doesn't matter if it lives. It already served its purpose of being a big old target that forced resources in awkward positions. I, I think it's a great card. I just, I, I don't disagree. I think all of that stuff is true. I think it's a cool card. I definitely want to experiment with it. I just want to point out the fact that when it becomes Akatosh, you can kill it with a spider carrying a crossbow. Um, and that is one of my favorite things. Like, I just, I picture that happening in my brain, right? Like, this guy explodes into this enormous dragon of light that's like an elder god. And, and like, this spider comes out and he, like, picks up a crossbow and there's just, like, pop. And he just, like, I picture, I picture, I picture this spider like walks onto this crossbow, doesn't know what it is, kind of like licks it, you know, licks it, and then like walks over it and clicks the button and then <laughs> like accidentally like a cat walking on the desk and accidentally steps on something. You know what I mean? Uh, I, just like, that's what I see, right? That's what I, because it, it's silly. It's, it is a good card. Um, I, I think that the other thing that it's, it's probably good to note is if you aren't opening on a pet, opening a lot of packs like let's say you're only going to open you know 15 or 20 or 40 or 30 packs whatever um this does give you three um bitterfish witches three dusk eater skirmishers um and it does give you a thorn hissed mage um and i think that those are important and cards a and a leaf lurker i think there's some important cards there that if you don't have a collection those are really staples in green purple um some of the other ones, not so much, but and you're getting some of these new goblins, which is really cool. In the other one, right in the, the Mana Cars Paradise, um, I don't really see as much of that, right? Like one of your is the the Daedra uh, Clan Fear. Like this is terrible. This is a terrible card. It's you still get a not Breton good. Conjurer, which is a meta sort of card. You get you know, some ward crafters, so you get a useful rare. You don't yeah. even get a lot of the invasion cards that you need. Um, well, the weird thing there is, so yeah, so this one, this one's probably the worst of the two, uh-huh. mostly because the epics are Dread Clan Fear, Lumbering Ogrim, you know, and oh Keeper of the Gates. Lumbering Ogrim. I don't think, so I bad. don't think Keeper of the Gates will be played ever. Um, Keeper of the Gates is so bad and it's bad because there's so many like literally any other can i play any other six drop i will play any other six drop please don't make me play this card okay i'll take i'll take alfique okay i'll take i'll play ice storms 
You know, yeah. I'll play Telvas Magister, Candle Cradle Crush Giant, so much. Still. And the legendary is not great. Uh, I I don't know. I, I actually I, I don't know. I think the legendary is okay. I I got it played against me and it was annoying. Oh sure, but I think it's I think you maybe play it in a battle mage build and and because it's a but it, it it's not a flexible card. This doesn't lend itself towards building a collection. Neither does the other one for that matter. But I mean these are exceptionally specific cards. Yeah, I think that you know be honest with you, there's a lot of that in this set. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the next subject that we had this recommended in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in the uh, I opened the store instead of my collection. Um, and the question was, is there cards on day one that seem like legendary specifically that seem like safe crafts? Are there, mm-hmm. you know, are there safe crafts on day one? And I'm sort of scrolling through a lot of the legendaries and my answer to that question is i don't know mm. i don't well, first know. off before we get into it i see rockstar cowboy had a great point about martin septum uh-huh. uh, which is the idea that you can make his magic a carrier less relevant by making high tempo plays that require them to spend all their magic to keep up totally right and i i i never once advocated that that wasn't the case um but simply the idea that it forces your opponent to respect it um is and it warps the way your opponent has to play any card that does that is worth a look and of course the card is pretty nutty in control mirrors if they can't deal with it i mean there's so many cards that are that you could say that about right but i think that that gives it a lot of a lot of sleeper value because of the simple idea of if left unattended this is deadly this is really bad and then it has a decent body so I, th- I think, I mean, so, so you're totally right. So every card has a way to play around it. Every card has a way to optimize your your path towards beating it, right? Some more less so than others, and those cards tend to receive nerfs, right? Um, but I'm simply addressing the idea of what the strength of Martin Septum is, which is the fact that if left unattended, it'll break a control mirror wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if your opponent ever runs out of um, kind of, plays that you have that you like if you if you ever get on board as control um this is a it's kind of a win more card i suppose uh but it's a i have a micro advantage on board here as the control player this is going to secure that win i i, I just i yeah you're you're not wrong there are ways to play around it and i think making high tempo plays is totally way to do it but if you're a control deck being forced to make high tempo plays you're not playing your win condition you know what i mean uh, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. We can, we can talk about well, legendaries to craft. I think it's important to note, too, something with this particular card, uh, with Martin Septum, mm-hmm. is that this is a three-attack minion. So if you play this in Empire, and you're playing things like Fifth Legion Trainer, or you're playing things like Divine Fervor, you, mm-hmm. can, a- you can actually Necromancer this. Um, you can pull this thing from your graveyard for six mana with Necromancer. A lot of legendary cards, their stats are so high that you're not really going to get to them. And I think that something that's important to note is, is, I don't know, I think when people look in control mirrors, they look at a card and they're like, well, you could just remove it with this, or you could just silence it, or you yeah. could just get rid of it. And you're like, yes, you can. That's the point. I have a set of cards that can win me the game. And I want to play those cards in such a way that my opponent runs out of removal for them before I run out of removal for their threats. 
And this is saying that in the very beginning, when I play Martin Septim on turn four, you better have a way to deal with this card. And if in the beginning you have a way to deal with this card, you're probably not going to have – you may not have a way to deal with my bigger threat coming Mm -hmm. down in a couple of more turns. And I think that that – I think that that's really important to note here because this is something that has to be removed. And let's just face it. An aggro player cannot ignore this card. Even if you're playing tempo, you can't give your opponent a chance – to get Odoving out on turn six, like, mm-hmm. or or whatever it is, it's going to be crazy. You can get Odoving out early, oh, or or one of a big control cards. Like you can't give your opponent that opportunity. And simply floating one one Magicka. If you float one Magicka, that opens up that next tier of powerful cards for your opponent. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you if you're on four. And you, you know, uh, well, let's well let's say let's say you're on uh, let's say you're on five, and you play a Viper. And destroy their bleak control and float one Magicka. Now you can play like your seven drops. You can play a sheer point dragon plus something. You know, it just it just oh, it just frees up what you can do. I mean, if you, if you float one on six, you go to turn seven. Now you can play Dark Seducer on eight instead of waiting one more turn. Like those those things make a difference. And yeah, you know, Thorn Hist Mage basically does the same thing. It's a more permanent solution, right? Um, so, but but I mean, like you never play, you don't ever play Martin over Hist Mage, but you might play them together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree um, with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the cards in this set that you might want to craft. I'm just going to open it up in all rarities and, and take a quick scroll through. I'm sure you have some on, on your mind, DBN, that you think are, are relatively safe to craft early in the game. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you were. I mean, obviously, if you're playing Invade, there are some cards that are seem pretty safe to craft. Yeah. I, and I think maybe that's the two ways that we should look at this, right? That mm-hmm. if you're playing Invade, these are cards that are probably going to be safe crafts. If you're not playing Invade, are there any other <laughs> safe crafts in the set? And I think there are. I think there are. Okay. Okay, so why don't you do you have do you have a card to start us off with something that you think is a safe craft? Let's let's start with invade. Okay. And I I probably have about I don't know ten or so minutes left, um ten or fifteen minutes left. So let's uh let's talk about a a handful of cards before okay. we, before we move on. Uh, do, did you want to start with invade? Yeah, well, did, let's did start with it. Well, yeah, I think I'm you know not long ago I would have said that the safe craft is forces of destruction but honestly I think one of the safest crafts for invade and you're going to want a whole slew of invade is epic it's unexpected arrival yeah I think that's one of the safer safer crafts if you're going to play invade um in uh, in maybe maybe invasion party invasion that's party still true. seems uh as uh, I think you play it definitely in invade, but I don't know if you need it. Okay, uh, that's right. I, and I'm I may be totally wrong, but surface level, I'm still a little suspect of it because I haven't actually gotten to play it myself. And when it was played against me, I kind of just shrugged. But I think like there's a lot more data I need to say before I said don't craft it. I'm simply saying, you know, I I wouldn't. I think you're right. Unexpected arrival is probably the the one that sticks out to me as probably the most powerful of the invade cards. Um, it gets you a gate out and it gets you another creature two for two for three, two creatures for three with the upside of, Oh wow. I have a level seven gate. Now it's a level eight gate and I get an eight drop. It's Mm -hmm. happened. It's happened. 
and it's scary. <laughs> yeah. So do you have one in the in the invade category that you think is if you're going to craft an invade card, it's a pretty safe craft? Um. Well, first off, I do want to say hey to Ian Bits and all of Ian Bits's uh, friends coming over from uh, this channel. I hope you guys had lots of fun with the new set. Welcome. Um, yeah, thank you, guys. Ian Bits. Awesome to see you. Yeah. You're tuning um, in see. to Legends Cast episode 18 right now. Yes, uh, we are. We are casting the legends. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think. Well, so first off, there's a lot of commons. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the invade cards are common or or rare. So I think that that kind of makes things a little bit easier. I think really the one you pointed out is the best one. Um, I, I will say, though, I think the Force of Destruction is going to be good. It just may not be good in all the Invade decks. I would honestly hazard to guess it ends up seeing play not really tied to Invade and more tied to niche strategies that need kind of a, a finisher but don't want to run conscription so i think if you if you get a force of destruction or two like don't don't disenchant it just yeah, because we're it. yeah it's a good card it's just it remains to be seen in my mind where it ends up um but i mean seriously i'm looking at all this stuff i'm like okay cool like they're all they're all commons like uh, you can't really never craft a common guys never craft mm -hmm. a common unless you're already so rich in gems that you don't need to craft any epics or legendaries, you know, in which in case, case, how do you not have that common? The only other one I would highlight is the great sigil stone. That's the neutral uh, support with three uses that just activates to invade. And then in its last gasp, you draw a random Deja from your deck and give it plus two, plus two. Um, I think that's a, that's a really strong card for an invade oh. deck. And if you're going to play invade, I think that might be the safe, one of the safer, maybe the only really safe out, outside of maybe invasion party. Mm -hmm. um, is it called invasion party? No forces of destruction. Um, oh yeah. That's the same job one. yeah. I'm going to start calling it invasion party. <laughs> uh, uh, the, I think the great sigil stone is a, is a relatively safe craft as well. Yeah. So, I can see that in certain strategies for sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't, th again, because it's unique, it's not necessary. Safe versus necessary. Uh, I think it's safe, but I don't think it's necessary. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I will say though, the, the the card that you're definitely gonna want to get your get your mitts on. Uh, it's gonna be great for invade. Is uh, Barbus? You definitely want to craft yourself a Barbus or go get the set that it's in, because uh, he's a Daedra. He is a Daedra. He's a Daedra that you can guarantee charge on. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I I, I summoned him from uh, Forces discount. of Destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I think dude, the he's a good boy, and the, he needs to see player, right? Like, uh, I really do think I would play him in probably any of my my lists because he's a Daedra and he can be charged. He can also generate. He's he's gonna be discounted if you get your gate up to what three, right? If you get your gate up to level three, then it get he's a four drop, yes. three three charge. Um, of course, you could also just go ahead and snag another. Daedra, which will also be discounted. So it seem, seems good to me. Can I just say that earlier today I, I used the you know the, the invasion party card um, and I summoned uh, a Barbus, which I was super excited about, and I chose charge on him before I realized that I had also summoned the Daedra, the Silent Knight or whatever, that mm -hmm. silences everything in oh, the that lane. Order. 
yeah, yeah, the Knight of Order that then silenced my charge right off of him. Oh, no. After, after I had chosen it. I was not through. It, like, it, so they all got, like, super buffed and got all these keywords, and he so had charge, and I was excited, and then it silenced all of my stuff off. That's a that's a bad card Well, that pull. does, yeah, that does sort of color the idea of random Daedra. So, like, unexpected arrival is probably not going to be – you might want to watch out on pulling that one on four. Right? What are the other four drop – Four cost Daedra, you know. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look it up because that might be something that's like just be with to avoid that risk, you know. Uh, you yeah, got Piercing Twilight, not. Sigil Keeper, Piercing Twilight. That's a Daedra. Yeah, that's really strong. Yeah, that's I mean, really freaking strong. Oh man, but I don't know if you want to miss out on like Zavali, Zavali Warlord with the Charge Guard. I don't think you want to miss. I think you still do it on four, and if you get your Knight of Order, you just kind of shrivel up and cry. You also get Maroon Dagon's Sorcerer, Seducer, excuse me, uh, uh-huh. three six four. That's another one that I think people are really really high on, and and I feel good because I kind of called that last week. It's a really fun card. I mean, it's it's a Hive Defender stat block with Drain and Breakthrough. You can Rage on it on twelve. Yeah, it's a dangerous, so it goes with Invade. It's just it's it, you know checks some boxes. It gets the job done. It's nothing fancy, but I think people are gonna like it. Um, okay. Now, as for other safe crafts, mm-hmm. um, I think the Worldly Wanderer, I said at the beginning, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. I think the Worldly Wanderer is just stupid. It's dumb. This card is, this card is really good. I mean, dude, like, dude, dude, like, I mean, it's facilitating uh, damage, like, self-damage rhetoric because I can find my Fighter's Guild halls. I basically have six Fighter's Guild halls. You know, now oh, it's a it's an incredible card. It's I mean, this card, card is gonna help lunar strategies out because you can make sure you find your moon gates. I mean, seriously, as somebody who really likes lunar but always kicks myself because I'm like, dang it, I can't find my moon gates. Well, mm-hmm. easy. It'll really help out a uh, lunar tricolor. I think this helps out tricolor. To be honest, tricolor support strategies get major help from this card because you can tutor them. You can pick, and then it's free. Oh my goodness, Worldly Wonder. Very safe craft if you want to play support synergies. I, I just, I, I would yeah. almost be worried that gets nerfed at some point. I could see it. I, I could see it getting a nerf. I could see it becoming a problem at some point. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think Worldly Wonder is, honestly, just in, like, rares. Like, I know that it's silly to talk about rares, but I still think that Dust Eater Skirmisher. Yeah, like, totally if, agree. if you don't get three of those, I think picking up a third of those is is fair. It's funny. Like, you look through this set, and I know that this set came with a lot of legendaries. And there's going to, like, if you want to build around some of them, like, if you want to play kind of the buff Rhetoran deck, you probably do want Faded Wraith. Um, because it's going to draw you an insane amount of cards. Um, if you are going to play Invade, you probably do want Great Sigil Stone. Um, you you probably do want a Forces of Destruction or two. But all of the rest of the legendaries, honestly, as I'm looking through this, outside of Worldly Wanderer, aren't like, yes, definitely craft that card. Um, I agree. I think that, frankly, I think the legendaries are slightly underwhelming. On the whole, not not across the board, not all of them are underwhelming. They're very specific. I think they're maybe what legendary should be, which mm-hmm. is very powerful in very specific situations, but not auto includes. Like I think Alfie Conjurer is a type of card that should yes. be an epic. 
because mm-hmm. it's so strong that it needs to be accessible, right? I mean, that's the kind of card that I feel should be power level of an epic because I think accessibility is something that. So I think that's actually maybe a big success for this for this set is that it feels like the most powerful cards are rares and epics in my mind, with the exception yeah, of Worldly Wonder. And I would also say the other card, uh, I think I think Marauder Chieftain is a very safe craft, uh, which is exciting to say because my last card reveal, uh, nobody has played it ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, yeah, so... Um, Marauder but, Chieftain has really cool artwork, too. Oh, it certainly does. Like really cool artwork. But I do want to say, if you're talking legendaries, I think Gray Fox is super safe to craft. Really? Yeah. Gray Fox? Five Gray mana, Fox. four, four, summon. Draw a card from your opponent's discard pile. Pilfer, reveal a random, unrevealed card from your opponent's hand. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. We're going to see this. We're, we're going to see this card. We are going to see this card. At minimum in control, green. Uh, but probably elsewhere too, because um, first off, you're looking at a, an environment in which you've got things like necromancers. You're looking at an environment in which you've got um, Solter is making a slight comeback. Now, granted, maybe not at the top tier tournament level, but definitively on ladder, I've seen so much Solter recently. People want to bring things back from the grave. Well, guess what? Gray Fox will swipe that Marak out. Before it gets soltaired, it'll take your Parthenax out before it gets soltaired in these late game grindy games. And if they're not in a, like, let's say this is in a mid range deck, hey, listen, let me snag that Sanctuary pet and get a little bit of tempo, protect my protect my threats. You know, oh, you used a charge creature as removal? Well, now it's my face damage. Yeah, or you could like go and be like, I'm going to snag your uh, Mana Marico. I don't know how to pronounce it. The 10 mana 6-6 six, six that summons something from your opponent's discard pile. Like, I'm going to snag that. Then I'm going to play that and snag your Mirac, which is going to snag another one of your things, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it could, it could really turn stuff around, and it's actually not even unrealistic to potentially do that in one turn because he only costs 4, and the big purple guy costs 10. Like, if you're playing purple, you're probably playing well, He ramp. costs 5. But yeah. Oh, he costs five. So, yeah. it, but if you ramp three times, you could potentially play him into stealing that, into stealing Mirac, into stealing something from the board. Like that turn would be bonkers. That would be insane. Yeah. And you're using one of your own cards to snag three of your opponent's cards that way. That would be a bonkers turn. Oh, I mean, yeah, the high roll is excellent. Uh, oh my gosh. I got, but I just think like at, even at minimum, Gray Fox gets you. A shift. It's still good, you know. Yeah. Honestly, the fact that it came out and there was a lot of confusion around it, and then it never got a, like a tag for what it actually is, um, <laughs> was like because it's tags blank, which I think has something to do with. Oh, that's the, that's the that's the lore behind it. The, like when you put on the when you finally get to be the head of the thieves guild, you get the mask of the gray fox, and the gray the, the thing about the gray fox is nobody knows who they are. And, and, like, the guards will not remember you or something like that. Like, that's the enchantment on it. Something like, like, the guards will never think, never suspect you if you're wearing the mask because you are the Gray Fox. It's kind of like uh, in Princess Bride, you know, the, the Dread Pirate Roberts, right? Okay, okay, okay. You know, uh, and so anyone could be the Gray Fox. Is, well, I like it more they, now. Yeah. Yeah. I now, I now like it more. I'm going to play it. I don't know what I'm going to play it. See, there's my lore segment. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Perfect lore segment. Um, okay. Any other like uh, I don't want to I don't want to push us towards the end without um, 
you know, if you have another card that you really think that we should talk about from the set. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to shake out in the next week. Mm-hmm. Like, this is only going to last for so long, guys. Like, mid-BM is going to come back. <laughs> uh, Agro Crusader is going to come back. Token decks are going to – like, they're coming back. So enjoy the jungle, the wilderness. Oh, I of... already ran into uh, – I actually uh, – this was actually a fun thing. I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget it. I was playing self-damage uh, Rhetoran, and I was able to force a uh, rage quit out of a meta um, sorcerer running Alphix at the top end of an aggro list. Mm. Felt really good. Felt really good. Oh, my. I lost uh, I lost my Skype window. Yeah, Sorry, guys. That's okay. I look beautiful right now, so that's perfect. Um, yeah, I look, look great there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's going to shake out. We're going to – it'll be a little bit, and we'll see – what comes of it because I think that there's some some meta that has to really develop and when we come back next week it will be interesting next week at this point as as of today next week CVH um, from Bethesda is going to be on the show with us so it's going to be the me and DBN and Beth, uh, and CVH next week mm-hmm. talking about um, the release of uh, Jaws of Oblivion and um, everything else that's um, you know, anything that shakes out between now and then, along with the last time he was on the show, we talked about upcoming events and now we have events. So we're also going to be talking about um, uh, kind of like how Bethesda's handled the events and what we can hopefully look towards in the future. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to get a little information out of him if I can. I probably can't, but I'm going to make an attempt. You, you can, you can we, certainly try. We see if we can get some, get some info out of him. So that's what's going to be going on next week. You can tune in every week here on uh, DBN's channel. Um, to catch us we're going to record probably primarily almost always at like 9 p.m est on tuesdays mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the time that's working for us right now um if you're watching the stream live you can check out the podcast just about anywhere make sure you check out our sponsor um team rank star um at uh, and you can see like we have their logo on the overlay and stuff today but uh check out uh, teamrankstar.com and you can check out the podcast and find all the outlets for it there um DBN, how can people get in contact with you and see what you're putting out outside of, you know, watching, if you're watching, literally watching on Twitch right now, this is a good way. But Yeah, well, as I, before I get into that, I want to remind everybody, because we totally forgot to remind people, but we oh, are yeah. giving away a pack code, um, so anybody who's hanging out, exclamation point giveaway, so you guys can potentially get a pack code. Now, I will warn you, this pack code is probably not JAWS. <laughs> Uh, it yeah. is probably moons, probably but you can moons. still dusk those things and craft something from Jaws. So yes. it's still worthwhile. So you guys are going to want to go ahead and exclamation point giveaway. Get on in there. Uh, get on in there. Uh, because, and let me make sure it's still, yes, it is. It is still live. Um, I suppose this is a good time as you guys are filling that out. Um, yeah, you can find me here on Twitch. Bam, you're already here. That's so easy. Uh, we are going to put the um, video up. I'm going to edit it uh, and slam it up on YouTube so you guys can check that out too. Uh, YouTube is The Dead Broke Nerd, and uh, that is actually a really great place to see content of mine. I put a lot of effort into it. I've been really doubling down on that, and I've been just getting a lot of really friendly, nice feedback. Um, so eventually that will change, but for now, it's really nice. Uh, and uh, I put out videos for everything from Tessel, which I do a lot of, and some Mythgard and some Gwent, occasionally Hearthstone when I'm feeling it, which hasn't been recently. But uh, and uh, but yeah, I put out 
you know, deck guides, testing, experimentation, videos, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then, of course, you can check out both me and the show on Twitter. So on, I'm Dead Broke Nerd on Twitter. Somehow got mm-hmm. that. Uh, but then we also have Legends Cast. So at Legends Cast, uh, which is on Twitter. And somehow we got that. You know what's funny? I mean, we were talking about this. There's so many games that have legend in the name. How did we get Legends Cast? I do not know. I have no idea. I don't even know how we got it as a podcast, to be honest with you, especially with uh, some of the games out there that have legend in it. Um, Okay, if you want to get plugged in with what we're doing, uh, you can email me at eslegendscast at gmail.com. But join our Discord. Um, We'll try to throw a link to the Discord in the chat here in a minute, but there's also links to the Discord. Basically, when we post on Reddit, it's over. There's an invite link over on TRS. Um, You could Google Legendscast Discord if you don't want to go to any of those places, and you can find it that way as well. Um, But there's a ton of activity on Discord. I mean, I, it's like a crazy amount of activity. I can't keep up with it. Um, it is, it is, if not, um, it, it's certainly one of the more active communities around Elder Scrolls Legends in terms of Discord servers. I, I firmly believe that, uh, and that has a lot to do with our our uh, our patrons, um, but also our moderators, um, uh, Jethro and. Um, I probably just mispronounced that, but that and, and Beefquake. Um, so big shout out to those guys. I want to give a quick thank you to Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, Shack Attack uh, and Will Avon uh, were a big salty, might have been new. Um, we're new from the last time we recorded. Um, so thank you guys so much for supporting us. Um, there are some perks if you are a Patreon supporter. If you go to patreon.com slash legendscast, you can um, support what we're doing. If you find value in what you what we're doing, you can give value back. Um, you know, a dollar a month goes a long way in helping us continue to produce this show and put it out. Um, and if you become a patron, you get uh, access to a specific chat uh, with me and DBN in it um, on on the Discord. Um, and that's where we kind of like we'll run out like new ideas about new channels, um, stuff for the show. Uh, we're going to run like our new logo and stuff through that. You get a chance to chime in on that when no one else has uh, the opportunity to do that. So that's the one perk of you know, being a patron and we set that bar pretty low. So visit patreon.com slash legends cast or search for us over there and consider supporting the show. And that doesn't just go to support me. Uh, that goes to support both me and DBN and the content that we're putting out for elder Scrolls legends. Um, yeah, that's the best ways. I mean, there are other ways that you can find me, but those are probably the best ones. So, yeah. Okay. Anything else, man? You got anything else you want to fire out there before we get going? No, man, just, uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, talking legends with you and uh, if you guys do pop on over to the discord don't feel bad about uh, messaging me I'm happy to answer questions look at a deck list something like that I may not get to you quickly but I promise I'll get to you so um, you can feel free to, to ping me and I'll, I'll look at something or you can direct message me with any questions you have awesome awesome uh, as always if you ever need someone to listen to you or pray for you always you can message me you can message me on the game message me on discord message me uh, over the email whatever however you want to get me out you're not doing life alone and we don't want you to think that you're doing life alone i'm all about supporting and, and being a life-giving and a good community for people to find um just like mental health in and things so don't ever uh, ever think twice about reaching out to us and uh, reaching out to me personally whatever I'd love to support you. That's going to do it for this episode of Legends Cast. Episode number 18 is wrapping up. Come back next week for episode 19 with Bethesda CVH. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Legends cast. 
Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.